welcome to Shuffle Buddies. Hello. Hey, I am Chris. <laughs> and I'm Casey, just in case you got us confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's already pretty confusing. Uh, yeah, welcome back to Shuffle Buddies. Yay, we're back. You're back to the snow. Mm, well, grown. you just got back from sunny Nashville. So. It was pretty nice in Nashville. Yeah, and it's Saturday night. It is snowing outside and it is nice and cozy inside so i actually really like it i, I was, don't mind it i was yeah. happy it was snowing it is kind of nice like i think evie really liked it too i let her outside and she was just like ran around which was cute so yeah. that was fun and we walked to the store and it was just like the, you know like those nice quiet snowy nights it kind of smelled like snow and the snow just kind of dampens everything, like it dampens the mm -hmm. sound, and it is very nice and ni nice and cozy. It just gives you an excuse to just get all bundled up. Perfect time to podcast. We have our raucous Saturday night plan. Mm -hmm. Gonna get crazy. I think it is. And then today we are going to review the taverns of Teach and Fall. <gasps> we are going to get crazy. So speaking of getting crazy Let's get and some drunk, beers. Yeah, get some bursts. Some bears and some schnapps. <laughs> yeah. So before we get started, let's talk about what we've been up to. Yeah. Well, I can talk about, ooh, I went, so I went to Nashville. Yeah. And that was super fun. I went at the end of October, which was probably right when we were supposed to record. And that might be why we're a little bit late <laughs> on this, because uh, I didn't go on vacation for two years. And then all of a sudden, I've gone on like three vacations, not we even little vacations, vacations, like yeah. big vacation. Like we did the New York, Boston one in September. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Nashville the end of October. And then we went to Milwaukee to go see Microbiglia mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning of November. We took just a day off, but that was still a little something where it took the weekend. You know, it's been, it's been busy, but I feel like we're going to get back in the swing of things and record on a normal schedule. <laughs> But yeah, so Nashville was super fun. I went for a couple of days by myself and then my friend came down and joined me. It's come, becoming like a tradition of ours, like a girl's trip when we go to the Ryman mm -hmm. and see somebody. Last time it was Margot Price and this time it was Jason Isbell Ooh. at the Ryman. And then the next day we went on a haunted Ryman tour, <laughs> which was spooky. Um, it was so spooky. It and was that basically was the end of October too. So it was. was like it was time. the only day it was offered. It was just oh. like we happened to be there and... This was going on. Are you sure it was a tour or was it just haunted? Maybe it was a ghost that gave us the tour. <laughs> You're like, we haven't had a tour here in 75 years. <laughs> um, no, but it was really funny because the, the reason it was like the haunted tour was basically instead of learning the history of the Ryman, he just told us about all the famous people that had been at the Ryman or that had worked at the Ryman that had died, you know, and had... In, at the in, Ryman? Not even at the Ryman. Oh. I don't think anybody died at the Ryman. Okay. But it was funny because like every time he was like, could they be the one who is haunting the Ryman? You'll have to just decide for yourself. <laughs> and that's how every story ended where it was like, is anybody haunting the Ryman? <laughs> this is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it is. Bullshit. I don't think that's how ghosts work. I think it was might have been a little if bit of BS. they don't die there, I, I don't think they go back there. They, yeah, but they all... It was so funny because, yeah, it was basically just like they had some sort of connection to the Ryman. It's like, is that why? Are they mad? Are they... And then they want to stay here. Like, there was one woman who... Oh, my gosh. I can't remember her name. I should look it up. Maybe when Chris is talking, I'll look it up. Um, but she like helped basically turn the Ryman into like a money making 
concert hall, like way back in the early 1900s when women did not hold these types of jobs. And she mm-hmm. was the one that was like, she was booking really great acts to come in. Um, and then they basically like kind of forced her to retire. <laughs> like five years later, she died. And he's like, is she haunting the Ryman? Because you know, she loved working here and she just wanted to be back. And Were you just in the back? You're like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Boo. That's wrong. Boo this man. <laughs> well, that's fun. Boo. Regardless, it's fun. It was fun. It was a good time. And it, like I'd always wanted to tour the Ryman. And then we got our picture taken on stage. And mm. I was wearing um, my cheetah pants. Did I see that picture? I don't know if you did. It's downstairs. So that was a little bit about what I did in Nashville. Ooh, and I went to a couple cool places. I went to the Dive Motel. I stayed there for a couple of days. It's just mm. like an old motel that they <laughs> made kind of cool. Yeah. Um, which was fun. It has a pool. Seems like it'd be super fun in the summer. And D's Country Lounge, which is like, I've been telling you now I want to open a bar here. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be modeled after D's Country Lounge. It was so cool. I really enjoyed it. It was like 70s style, wood paneling, super chill, cool bar. They had a TV where they were just playing DVDs. <laughs> and I could tell it was a DVD because it kept skipping. <laughs> and it was uh, Edward Scissorhands. But mm. yeah, it was really fantastic. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Happy to be back, though. That was a lot of vacationing all at once. While you were vacationing, I took advantage of my time alone, Mm -hmm. and I finally wrapped up a video game that I've been playing on and off since it came out a couple months ago, and Mm. that is Psychonauts 2. Have you heard of Psychonauts 2? I feel like I've heard you say that name before. (laughs) Well, Psychonauts 2 is a hotly anticipated game for me because I was a huge fan of the company that made it, Double Fine, Mm. uh, which was started by a kind of video game legendary, Tim Schafer, who made like these adventure games back in the day, like Curse of Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle and Grim Fandango and all of these cool games. And then he started a studio... Um, and they just made these really kind of wacky, far out games that kind of no one else was making. And they actually hired Scott C, who was like my favorite illustrator at the time. And I have some Scott C artwork. Downstairs. Oh, cool. So he used to be like the head artist for Double Fine and he did their logo and everything. Double Fine. And Tim Schafer. is nice. Yep. I, that's probably what it means. <laughs> <laughs> but Tim Schafer is just like a really cool guy. He's really funny. He's a really funny writer. Mm-hmm. And he just seems like he must be really cool. And he hangs around Jack Black. And Jack Black just like cameos in his games. And one of the games, he was like the main star of this game called Brutal Legend. That sounds awesome. Also, uh, circle back with me because Jack Black reminded me of something. But keep going. Okay. I'll try to keep that in mind. Keep it in mind. Don't forget. All right. Hold your finger up. And then when you're like, why is your finger finger up? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Psychonauts 2 is a sequel to a game that came out like 10 years ago. And Mm. was um, it called Psychonauts 1? Well, it was just called Psychonauts. They didn't, I guess that makes sense. They didn't have the foresight. They didn't want to wanna, They didn't want to count their chickens. Um, but in Psychonauts, you play this kid, Raz, who's training to become a psychonaut, which is basically like a an international task force of like almost like Bond-like things. But instead of doing missions in real life, they enter people's minds and solve problems and save the world by like, like entering. Like the cell. Kind of like the cell. Ooh. Like a very funny version of the cell. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would. Lo- I would actually love, and I would actually love if they made a Psychonauts movie because um, the whole Psychonauts world and everything is just like this really funny, wacky 
the art design is really kind of bizarre and out there. And the, the whole concept is like you go into the mines and like problems are like physically manifested, like anxiety shows up in in these monsters that kind of make sense as anxiety and like sensors who come in when you're not supposed to be there that like that basically take thoughts that aren't supposed to be in your head out of your head. So you have to oh, fight through these sensors. I didn't see the movie, but that kind of sounds like that Inside Out movie. Do you remember that? Yeah. I it, didn't see it, but I don't know. It's kind of like that, but it's like a, it's a 3D platformer. You're running through these environments mm. and... I think the coolest part is it just looks amazing. It's just so creative that one character that you go inside his head, he's a crazy dentist. So his is all like these like really pretty like body horror, like teeth and gums and all this stuff. And another character is like a psychedelic rocker. Mm -hmm. So his is like a super day glow, like trippy poster. LSD Yeah. And that character is actually voiced by Jack Black and it's pretty funny. (gasps) And then, uh, wait, they have characters voiced by Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Wait, is this a video game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, uh, yeah. And it Jack, took this me is... up until that moment, I thought this was a board game. Oh, no, no, sorry, this is a video game. Oh my goodness, so I was playing this video game, so now you have gotcha. to recontextualize all those thoughts. I'll make Can sure you start over the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back and add in. No, I was just kidding. I was kidding. I was going to have you just like restart the whole thing over for me right now oh, so yeah. I could reimagine React it as everything. a video okay. game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I said You're that. You're like, oh no, the whole thing. I'm going to say no, this right now. Great. Ready? Psychonauts, a video game. And then I can add that in in case I didn't say it. But I'm pretty sure I said it too. So. <laughs> you probably did. So I would say don't even, you don't even need to redo it. I'm not redoing it. So, yeah. So Jack Black voices one of the characters. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I would play just for that. And it just has all these like endlessly creative levels and really bizarre visualizations of what someone's mind could look like. Yeah. Just every moment I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. This is so amazing. This is so funny, et cetera, et cetera. The game itself is like not the most fun. <laughs> oh. So it's kind of like an, a, a decent Pupe. 3D platformer game. What is 3D platformer? Like a like Mario in the third dimensions. It's like isn't Mario just like two D? Uh, the original Mario's are, but like the three dimensional Mario's, like Mario sixty four and Mario Galaxy and Mario. Oh, I guess I don't know any like Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I don't know any of those. It's like Mario Kart. What? Where you your car can run around and jump, and attack. Is it mm, is it still like a straight line? No, it's just a world. You're just in a world. It's like is it's, it like that Super Meat Boy. It's like Dark Souls. Yeah. So you're just walking around the world. Oh, okay. Oh, why didn't you just say Dark Souls? Because <laughs> it's nothing like Dark Souls. 3D platformers are like a certain genre of games where you're a little cartoon character who jumps around a, a, a three-dimensional world, but it looks like Dark Souls. You're just floating behind it with a camera. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if that's what my friend Dev made. He made this really cute video game called Newt One, and it's all musical, and it's about like a really happy world, and it's about this little character jumping around creating music and it's all positive well it could very well be so go check out newt one (laughs) (laughs) okay psychonauts 2 psychonauts 2 (laughs) so the game is okay it's pretty fun i'm not like a crazy 3d platformer type gamer totally and so it wasn't like super my jam but it was totally worth playing and i think what i was most surprised with as i finished the game is it goes from kind of this like psychic international agent romp to kind of like being surprisingly touching and turning into kind of a really um, heart-wrenching exploration of like 
depression and loss and anxiety and narcissism. And um, the later levels get into some places that I just did not expect it to go. And it ended up being way more than the sum of its parts. And like, I would totally encourage anybody, if you like 3D platformer type games, like Mario or like Dark Souls or like (laughs) Newt One. Newt One. If you like any of those games, you'll love this game. (laughs) I'm Googling it just to make sure that's really the name because I've said it like three times now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the name. I think it was totally worth the wait. I think I can look past all the rough edges. And in the end, there was just a ton to love. And I thought it was actually one of, even though I didn't love the gameplay moment to moment, it was still one of the best video game experiences I've had in a long, long time. It is definitely called Newt One, and it is a 3D platformer. <laughs> yeah, it's a vibrantly colored 3D platformer based in a music-themed world. <laughs> well, now you've learned something. Sweet. That's another thing I've been up to is that I've been playing music with Dev. Yeah, you're yeah. rocking out in a band again. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's been fun. It's funny because Dev was my old manager at the place I was working at before the place I'm currently at. Um and he's a developer. So he's Dev the Dev. Oh, I get it. Yeah, right? That's cute. It is cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. Did you finish it? I did, yep. So I. Oh, so I'm never going to see you play it. I mean, I would totally. Now, the great thing also, and I love this, they, when you beat the game, they put, put you back in the world mm-hmm. and you can continue playing and like find all the hidden tchotchkes the and stuff DSL like that. Downloadable. No, DLS. DLC. DLC. Downloadable content. DSL, please delete that. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Um, DC, DLC. DLC. No, gotcha. it is not downloadable content. It's just things you could have done in the world and found in the world. But if you beat the game, the story ends, but you're put in this world. And you can actually kind of continue the story a little bit mm-hmm. just with like some contextual conversations and things like that. But they also allow you to go back to every world and brain and like ecosystem or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it you can go back and visit all of them again which is just super nice because in most yeah. games you can't just like warp back to like the third level you know but in this oh, game it really? just gives you a portal back to every level so you can just go explore them at your leisure yeah and, so you can just like pick yep and so i think that's probably the way you should experience it because otherwise you would have watched me like fighting a bunch of enemies and bosses and stuff like that i don't care about that i think you would probably <laughs> get the gist of the world in like 10 or 15 minutes instead of watching for an hour as I played through this whole level yeah. or something. I do but, like, yeah, I like reading a book or working while you have that stuff going on and just looking up every now and then being like, oh, that's cool. Well, I will load up Psychonauts 2 for you and we'll take a look. <gasps> Yay. That sounds great. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. It sounds too. cool. I'm excited to, for you to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was a video game that you thought was a board game. Yes. I've been playing a board game that is based off a genre of video games. But before I do that, you're holding your finger up in the air. So why don't you tell me about Jack Black? (laughs) In all reality, I forgot. I put my finger down. And then right as he started talking, I put my finger back up. And he's like, and I'll pass it back to you. That is another thing that we've been doing recently is watching Mr. Show. Yes. And it is the bomb. I definitely seen episodes of it a long time ago, but I never like watched them all. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I knew what it was about and I knew it was really good, but I just never watched it all the way through. And yeah. it is so good. Yeah. And I'm thankful. <laughs> That's kind of like our Wet Hot American Summer conversation where... Yeah. Where you're wondering if it held up. Yeah. And I've seen Mr. Show a million times and I was a huge Mr. Show fan, but I probably haven't watched, at least I've watched skits here and there because every once in a while I'm like, oh, I remember, you know... Like, Y'all got any fake poop? Yeah, I got any fake poop. I say that a lot. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> so much (laughs) but every once in a while i'll kind of go down a like mr show youtube um Mm -hmm. tunnel but i haven't sat down and watched full episodes start to finish in probably like 10 years and i i'm loving it and i (laughs) you laugh so hard it makes me so happy i love it but i also am laughing very hard yeah and you um (laughs) <laughs> Mentioned that because Jack Black was a yes. reoccurring. He wasn't like one of the main cast characters, but he obviously was present during yeah. the whole thing. So and he I wonder, shows up often. Yeah. And I should just look it up. But I wonder if he was a writer and just would be, you know, like in skits or if he's just like a buddy and they're like, hey, you want, are you in town? You want to come and be in this in our show today? Yeah. And if I remember history correctly, and I might not, so don't quote me on this, but I believe that the original Tenacious D, like six episode miniseries where Tenacious D kind of got there, mm-hmm. establishes like a set of characters, um, was aired after Mr. Show. So it was like, they're like these little oh, 10 minute things that would come maybe on like after around Mr. The Show. Because like right now, Jack Black has a shaved head. Yeah. But I don't think he ever had a shaved head in... He didn't. Yeah. yeah. But I don't... So I, maybe it was like later seasons of Mr. Show. It might Show. be later seasons, but... Mr. Show is hilarious. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's on HBO. Yes. And the original six episodes of Tenacious D are also really funny. If you haven't seen them in a long time. And those, I believe, are on HBO too. I think so. I think they're the same. They look like they're filmed in the same place. They probably were. (laughs) I wouldn't doubt it. I kind of love it. Oh, I love that. The the Jesus Christ Superstar one. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I feel like... I've seen as it's been progressing, they have more and more like pre-recorded skits mm-hmm. that are just higher quote unquote production value. <laughs> They're pretty good for their time. I mean, they were good for their time. But I mean, like it, when you think of like production value, you think of just like, oh, wow, it must be really schnazzy. And it's like I, they ha- they rented a school bus yeah. and had a lot of people and they drove out to the desert and they and also had the a couch. Same people that are in every other like yeah. little set of movies. But, but I was like, it would take a coordinator to get a couch and a school bus. It's true. Out to the desert. Yeah. Big time. It looks really fun to work on that show. It would it, have been amazing. Yeah. I think I've said that probably multiple times to you. I'm just like, that looks, I want to, it looks like so much fun to be on that show. Yeah. Like they just look like they're having so much fun. But that was my little bird walk. So, I'll go back to you. So I was about to talk about Cloudspire. Oh yeah. I know you've been playing that one a lot. Yeah. Which is designed by J. Josh Carlson, Adam Carlson, and Josh Wilgus. <laughs> uh, and it's published by Chip Theory Games, which is a local company. Oh, cool. Yeah. Local. We are in Minnesota. Twin Cities area. We're in the area. Twin Cities. I believe they're in like Fridley. They're, they're in one of the suburbs of the Twin ah, Cities. Oh, cool. Um, and Cloudspire is a game, as I said, that's kind of based on a genre of video games. Like um, the 3D platform. <laughs> yep. You're going to know all about these video games. These video games <laughs> are called MOBAs. You know what? I heard my friend who's in the video game industry say MOBA. MOBAs. <laughs> What is it? multi? It's a multiplayer online battle arena. Multi online? Multiplayer what? online battle arena. Because where's the Mo? Oh, is how is it spelled? M O B A. What's multi? Oh, because multiplayer is, is one word. word. Yeah. Maboba? Maboba? It's a Maboba? Maboba. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to say Maboba. Moba games are 
basically a game where a team of heroes fight on a map alongside their um, brainless minions and the brainless minions kind of march forward and there's these tower defenses that they fight through Mm -hmm. and the ultimate goal of the game is to like get to the other side of the map and destroy the enemy's main base is that like a call of duty kind of thing no Mm, okay the main (laughs) the main moba games are league of legends oh okay dota 2 or defense of the ancients 2 (gasps) Um, oh. there's Heroes of the Storm is the Blizzard one. Hots. Dota. They all have good lol, Dota, Hots. Lol. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all. <laughs> and you might have also heard of it because our friend who we played games with the other week works at Riot, who makes League of Legends. Oh. Might also, have been talking about it that day. Yeah, because she was talking about that, but also we went out for with uh, our friends for brunch and you and her were talking about Dota. Was that an acronym? Dota. Dota. It's an acronym. Defense of the Ancients. Oh. Although I believe now it's just Dota. Like, I I don't think they kept it. I think there's a very interesting history behind Dota, but I won't get into it now. (laughs) We'll do that on our next podcast. I'm already way off. um, Yeah. Sorry, I keep... Way off on a tangent. That's fine. (laughs) It's a Casey... Uh, uh, re-education. I'm just glad you're <laughs> I'm interested learning all about video questions. games. <laughs> um, I'm glad you have everything written down so you can go back to where you <laughs> were talking. So it's based on this type of video game. And in Cloud Spire, you have hero units and you have brainless minions. And the game is played over waves. And each wave, you uh, send all your minions out. They march forward and brainlessly fight until they're dead. Once they're all dead, you just pause your heroes on the map you get mm-hmm. to basically upgrade your base, recruit new minions, and then redeploy them. And you just do that over the course of four or five waves. And if you can get to your enemy's base and destroy it, you win. And if you don't do that, whoever has upgraded their base the best wins. So basically, if your base doesn't get destroyed, whoever has the coolest base wins. Ooh, who judges coolness? It's just how many upgrades you've upgraded. Oh, so it basically totally. just tracks the amount of damage you took. Plus the number of upgrades and mm. whoever has a better number wins. Because I can just imagine like when it's like little kids, you know, like making up the rules as they go. And it's like, well, my base has a unicorn. My base has an elevator that you pull on a rope and it brings it to the top. <laughs> That's just an elevator. <laughs> well, it's like, that's a, like a dumb waiter. Yeah, a dumb waiter. That's, what it is. that's pretty That's pretty cool for kids. Uh, Well, my place has two dumb waiters. My mom's work had a dumb waiter. <laughs> and I totally wrote it. <laughs> did you really? I did. And I was, I think I was probably like 22. Oh my God, Chris. <laughs> it worked and I didn't die. How did you fit in there? It was big enough to, I mean, really? I just crunched over. Yeah. I guess I always think of dumbwaiters as just like moving food around. It was for packages. It was from the mail room. Oh, okay. We talked about putting a dumbwaiter in this house so we could... <laughs> So we could put our food from the kitchen upstairs <laughs> and lower it down to the family room downstairs so we wouldn't have to walk down the stairs on the with food stairs, to yeah. uh, go watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Good times. Um, well, that sounds like a fun game. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I don't even want to talk about it that much because the point that I was going to make about Cloudspire is it does an amazing job of replicating a MOBA game, the way your heroes move around independently, the way that your minions march forward, you upgrade, you level up, you gain experience and you spend that experience. It basically captures like every aspect of those games in board game form. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing is, I don't really like those games. I've played LOL. LOL. I've played Dota. Dota and I've played HOTS. 
And I stuck <laughs> to hots the longest, but maybe a month or two. And then I was like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Um, when you turn it into a more abstract turn-based kind of not reaction twitch-based kind of game, it just becomes really interesting. And the best thing about Cloudspire is it has a really robust multiplayer game, cooperative game, and solo game all in this box. And each one is totally full-fledged its own thing. I bought this game and it's a big box and it, and Chip Theory's kind of signature is they have poker chips that basically track all the information and show you your life. So you're playing with like these stacks of poker chips. Um, and it comes with just a ton of components and books and, and everything you need to do all these different modes. And I bought it strictly for the solo game and I played it solo a couple times. I was just like, this is a really amazing puzzle to that and trying to like work through these scenarios is really cool. And then on a whim, I just taught a couple friends and we played it and it has been transformative, uh, just way more <laughs> engrossing or just inter more interesting than I thought Aging. it was going to be. Yeah. It's an incredibly asymmetric game where it's almost like root level of asymmetry. Mm -hmm. And so every faction plays totally different. Oh, and okay. when I've played with my friends, it's just been like this really uh, engaging, like back and forth I'm on the brink of losing and then I come back and he's on the brink of losing and it could go either way back and forth and back and forth. That's and when you were playing with Ryan. Yeah. And it took forever. It did take forever. Y'all were up until like 1230 or something. It was. Uh, I had been asleep on for a school like night. an hour and a half. <laughs> anyway, that went way off the path to basically say Cloudspire has gone from something I didn't even care about. I didn't mm -hmm. back it when it was on Kickstarter. I didn't buy it for a couple of years. And finally, it just keeps coming up on so many like people's must have solo game lists. And I'm like, I just got to try it. And somebody was getting rid of their entire set and I bought it. It's been set up on that table for like a month now. It has I've been, been playing at least. it constantly. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a lot of plays out of it and I'm looking forward to play a lot more. And it went mm -hmm. from being something I wasn't even that interested in to probably it's one of my favorite games. That's awesome. I can't say how high, but it it's a game that it's I totally... Your top Three favorites. My top three favorite games. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's not, but I really do like it. So that's, that's Cloudspire. Awesome. Well, now that we had so much fun. Yeah, talking about board games that are like video games and video games that are like board games. And ghosts and Jack Black and Mr. Show. All of those things. I want to bring the the conversation down and get serious. Mm. And I am getting serious actually. Mm. This is pretty serious. Um one game that I've just played that I just thought was super interesting that I just wanted to talk about for a second, because I've only played it a couple times, is The Cost, which oh, I Oh, yeah, I saw up. you post about that today. Yeah. Or you just posted a picture of it. Yeah, I was playing it today. Um, and The Cost is designed by Armando Canales, and it's published by Spielworks. And it's actually a pretty serious game. When I describe it to people, they usually kind of like laugh, but it's only at how incredulous they are at such a game existing. And it is a game about the asbestos industry. Mesothelioma? Is that what it's called? Well, no, I mean, like, that's what that's the lung that's disease a, that you get mm, from breathing it in. Yeah. But, every time I hear mesothelioma, I always think of Jar Jar Binks saying it. <laughs> mesothelioma. <laughs> so bad. Because <laughs> okay. remember those commercials were always on the TV? I kind of do. Not, where it's like, you know, well if you you've do. been affected by mesothelioma, call this number. Yeah. Well, it's a big problem. It and is. It's a big... I always worry about it, like, because I had asbestos tiles in my basement downstairs, mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm just going to leave those there. It's it's some serious business. And in the cost, you are actually players running companies or competing businesses 
that are all competing in the global asbestos industry. Mm. And in this game, you, yeah, you like you are companies who are building asbestos mines, you're building asbestos refineries, you're gaining government subsidies, and you're basically establishing a network of ports and railways to transfer it around the countries and out of the countries to other countries. Mm. And so basically... Does it talk about like the human cost of asbestos and that yeah that's what the cost and that's like and then you have to deal with that as the company yeah and you don't have to deal with it you do have to deal with it in a in a gameplay ramification way because basically when you are mining asbestos you can either do it the safe way Uh but it costs it costs a lot of money or you can do it the easy way but it costs literal lives from your factories and mines Mm mm-hmm and every time you kill someone, or, or I should say every time someone dies, it basically reduces the political climate. Uh, the favorability a- of the asbestos industry. Yeah, it reduces the appetite on the market for asbestos because it just kind of gets worse and worse in this country. Oh and then gosh. so like there's this track that basically measures how much death has happened. And it's possible that at a certain point, if there is too much death from people recklessly mining and, and refining asbestos, that country will just regulate out of the asbestos industry and just say, no more, we're done. That market's closed. You can't mine there anymore. It's gone. You literally take the entire map for that country and put it back in the box. Hmm. And if you do that to all the countries, if everybody's being reckless and everyone is not caring about the cost of the human life that's, that is ruining, I mean, it's ruining people's lives and it's ruining the industry because everyone's afraid to go near it right eventually the game could end early because all the countries are just like we're not dealing with this anymore it's interesting and so it's kind of this balance where you're like you know i i actually was playing two-handed solo to to learn it and i was like i'm gonna make this one play on the straight and narrow and this one play fast and loose and it was really hard because it was just so expensive to to just play a game without having anyone die and be competitive at all and so i don't even know i'm sure there's a way you could play well and not have people die but it would be really hard and i think it's more of like a statement about the industry more than a game in itself Hmm. because the rule book asks at the end it's you know it's like add up your score whoever has the most money wins but then it actually prompts you to say look around at the table pay attention to what's happening here and pay attention to who's winning and and it comes with the beginning of the book has all sorts of information and history of the asbestos industry and at the end it ends like right after that sentence it ends like here's a list of countries that as of 2019 are still active in the asbestos trade it's brazil china india russia and the united states Hmm. so it's not a feel-good game. It was a really interesting game. Because... It's very interesting. I wish it was like, I mean, obviously like asbestos is still an issue. Mm-hmm. I wish it was something even more relevant and it would be interesting to like just do it with another really big industry like oil or yeah. something like that, where it's just something like that's a really great way to like visualize and understand mm-hmm. the cost. Yeah. And it's like, I would love to see that for another industry. That's yeah, super would, interesting. There was a series of games that were historical learning games, and I and they're very easy to learn and play. And I had said on Twitter that I would love to see a whole series of these, and the developer responded that they're actually working on a whole series of them. Oh, so cool. that was really cool. And this person also I saw in the forums that they said they have another game. They haven't announced what it is, but it is in the similar vein. 
That's very interesting. I will definitely get it and try it because, again, it's not a game you take out at a party or even take out <laughs> necessarily have a good time. I did think it was really engaging and the way that you're building the the infrastructure, you're trying to like steal out, make people deliver along your thing. So it did have actual like gameplay beyond just, mm-hmm. oh, look at this. Isn't this interesting? Um, so it was enough of a game to be like, oh, I'm I'm actually, you know, really coming up with clever decisions and, and doing that. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it was just a really kind of awesome experiment, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It's like a, it's an alternative use for games. I'm all for it. If people make them, I'll keep buying them. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I am interested in playing that. Maybe I'll just do it when I'm already depressed and just kind of pile on. <laughs> no, it does sound very interesting, though. Well, cool. Now that I've said my piece about the cost, let's turn the volume up and get this party started. Let's get this party started. And let's talk about the Taverns of Tiefenthal. Taverns of Tiefenthal. TNT, as I like to call it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was very organized, so I've recorded a little intro, which I will play right now. The Taverns of Tiefenthal is designed by Wolfgang Warsch, with art by Dennis Lohausen, and it's published by North Star Games in America. So in the Taverns of Tiefenthal, players are running competitive taverns trying to hire the best staff, upgrade their accommodations, and ultimately attract the most desirable guests to their tavern. Players all start each game with their own tavern player board, a set of dice, a coaster, as well as a small starting deck of cards that contains a few employees and some low-level guests. Each round, players reveal cards from their deck, one at a time, and place them into their tavern. Any employees drawn are placed in their post for the evening, and each guest drawn gets seated at one of the very few tables in the tavern. Players continue to draw as many cards as they needed until all of their tables are filled. At this point, they just stop drawing. Once everyone's tables are full, All players roll a set of four dice and place them on their coaster. Then players draft one die at a time and pass their coasters clockwise. They continue doing this until everyone has drafted four dice each. Then everyone simultaneously places their dice onto various action spots within their tavern. Some of the stronger spots you can place dice require specific values to activate, and the weaker spots usually allow a dice of any value. There's a lot of possible spots to activate, but a player's actions are obviously limited by the dice they manage to draft that round. These action spaces do a variety of things, but a majority of the spaces generate one of the two currencies in Taverns of Tiefenthal, beer and money. Beer is used to attract better guests who typically generate more money in future rounds and possibly grant bonuses. These come in the form of cards that get added to the top of a player's deck. Money is spent to hire new staff and upgrade your tavern. Staff are also cards that get added to your deck, but they grant you various abilities like allowing you to roll more dice, change the value of dice once they're drafted, or seat more guests in your tavern. Upgrades change your tavern player board permanently, giving you access to permanent ongoing staff and the ability to generate and store more money and beer each round. Once everyone has a chance to activate all their dice, everyone discards all the cards drawn that round, clears the board of dice, and moves on to the next round. After the 8th round, players count the victory points on all of the cards they collected during the game, which includes all of the guests they brought in, as well as any staff they hired, and the player with the most victory points wins. 
In addition, Taverns of Tiefenthal comes standard with several modular additions that you can roll into the main game, which allow you to do additional things like hire performers, gain reputation for your tavern, and manage a guest book, as well as allowing players to start with slightly asymmetric taverns. These don't really change the structure of the game, they just add variety and depth. And that's basically how you run your tavern in Taverns of Tiefenthal. Wow, that was really great. Thanks. Super informative. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Casey didn't listen to it, but that's okay. <laughs> I lived it. You did live it. So the Taverns of Tiefenthal. Yes. One of the things that I just want to point out right at the beginning is the designer, Wolfgang Warsh. Does that name ring a bell? It's a pretty interesting name. Um, did he do uh, the um, that, uh, that other game? <laughs> <laughs> he did. In fact, he designed a couple games that you're pretty familiar with, like The Mind. Hollertau? No, not Hollertau. Okay, that's the game I was thinking. That of. was Uwe Rosenberg. Oh, he designed Uwe. The Mind and oh. Wavelength. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So different. He's a very interesting designer. He also designed, obviously, this in The Quacks of Quedlingburg. And he also. Q, Q and Q, as I like Q to and call Q, it. You little Q and Q. <laughs> T and T and Q and Q. Yeah. Totally. And Q, uh, T of T and Q of Q. He is a very versatile designer where he, he really just kind of makes a, a lot of games on a big spectrum of of weight and theme. Yeah, because my mom loves Wavelength. Wavelength is great. I love Wavelength It's a good as one. Well. That's yeah. a super fun game. And I don't think she would even be able to handle hearing the rules of T the of T. and T. She would be like, no, nope, this is, nope, can we play Wavelength? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. want to do that. No. And it's an easy game to learn if you are well-versed in games. And I think one of the reasons that I instantly took to Taverns of Tiefenthal is because it combines some mechanisms of games that mm -hmm. I love, like deck building, mm -hmm. dice drafting. That's where our, the title of our uh, episode came from. Mm -hmm. And even Push Your Luck, which is another type of game that I like. This little push. Yeah. There are a lot of different game mechanics going on in this. Yeah. And which is so, fun. Which is very fun. But it can be overwhelming to learn or hear about. Yeah. And I think that is something that I that I personally keep coming back to Taverns of Tiefenthal for because I am a fan of all those mechanisms. And I think yeah. this is a really friendly package for people who are willing to play a game like this. Yeah. And I think it has so, so many things going on. Mm -hmm. But in the end... There's only one, only one way to score because I think that really helps really stabilize things and like make it feel not so crazy. Yeah. And I think when I was teaching it the other day, I, I had played it a bunch when I got it and then we kind of put it away and, and we played it a bunch lately and I was teaching mm -hmm. it again for the first time. And then at the end I was like, and then you score for the cards in your deck and, and nothing else. And that's Actually, it. that's it. It's yeah. just the cards in the deck. At the end of the game, you just add up every card in your deck and that's your score. And yeah. It's just a very like, yeah, finite way of there. You're oh. not, you're not like being like, here's a bunch of resources and add up how much money you have and all of these things. Yeah. Cause there's two different tracks that you can move things on. Mm -hmm. And then you also have pieces on the board and money and beer. And it's mm -hmm. like, none of that, none of it matters. When the like game it's ends, all you can just for... shove it in the box and just count your cards. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. I love cleaning up as we're counting, but, uh, <laughs> Every piece that's moving around the game, it's all just for the gameplay. None of it gets scored, except in the expansion, there are those schnapps, which oh, I think I true. forgot to count last time, so I would have beaten you even 
by more. That is true. The schnapps <laughs> are worth one point each. Yeah, I did forget that. are the only things that are scored outside the cards, I believe. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't even realize that until you said it. Yeah. That's why we keep forgetting to score it, I guess. Yeah. Because if you don't remember it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I won't be the one that's like, hmm. But in addition to these mechanisms that I personally really like, I think the theme is really charming as well. It is. Even though I don't, I'm not like a bar person or whatever, but mm-hmm. I... This looks like a fun bar. It does look like a fun bar. Ooh, it kind of reminds me of when we went to Milwaukee mm-hmm. and we stopped at that random Christmas market <laughs> yeah. at uh, like the Schopenhoff or whatever. Oh yeah, it was like a German... It was like a German... German it was like the German version of a VFW. Yeah, it was totally like a community hall. Kind it of, was super cool. Yeah. I kind of loved it. And it was very German. It was very folksy. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and the- there were like women that were working there and they had like their, uh, I don't remember what, you know, like their the- traditional garb. Yeah. A traditional German garb walking around, probably passing out some schnapps. Probably. Some schnapps and some schnuff. But your quaint little but bar. Yeah. That, yeah in the Taverns of Tiefenthal starts out as kind of a slightly slow podunk tavern. And by the end of the game, you've like hired new staff. You've kicked out the sleeping dog in the corner. You've hired entertainers who are blowing fire and dancing and juggling. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you just feel like you've really like grown this establishment and your regulars come in. There's people bringing, you have beer deliveries all the time. And you have fancy regular customers who come in and you're like, Like yes, there's that guy. Yeah. They're nobles. Nobles. <laughs> What's the difference between royals I know, and well, nobles? called nobles, but yeah, you have your nobles come in. The theme really helps as well in mm-hmm. terms of just teaching the game. You know, like people come in and you, they'll pay you money and you need to get beer to bring in more people. And, right. Um, and then all... you pay for people that work in the bar mm-hmm. that help you gain more beer, yep. that help you bring in more customers. And then you get more money from the customers that help you buy more people to help you run your restaurant mm-hmm. or your bar. So yeah, just basically what you just said, but... uh just more and repeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the theme really helps and it does let feel like you're just making this like It is very cool. The it way just makes sense. the way the board is constructed mm-hmm. and the components are, they're very fun. They have a big I wouldn't say wow factor, but they have a play factor to them where yeah. they're like a puzzle and as you upgrade, you actually like remove a puzzle piece. So as you upgrade your dishwasher, you take off the puzzle piece at the dishwasher and flip it over to its other side and on the other side there's different art and you know a new ability on it and so you're literally like building your uh tavern as you upgrade Mm -hmm. which makes it really fun and really pretty self-explanatory where you're like how do i upgrade this and you're you're just like you literally just take it and flip it over and that's all you have to do yep and i like um how you track beer and money Mm -hmm. where there's no coins yep you're not holding on to anything yeah um so I thought, I, I like that. But it is surprising when you play the game for the first time and you're like, you just generated 18 beer and you're like, oh, do I take all my beer? And mm-hmm. you're like, nope, you just have 18 beer. Spend you always, it as you want. Yeah, you think you want to hold on to it and save it. And it's like, nope, just spend it right now because you literally can, you have, your cellar is not big enough to mm-hmm. save more than three beers. So normally how you kind of do that is you say like, I'm going to take off this one and this one, which gives me $7 and then I'm going to immediately spend 
six of those dollars to buy this card and then you can keep a coin in your register you can basically keep a couple coins and a couple piece a couple pieces of beer <laughs> a couple pieces of beer a couple pints of beer mm-hmm. uh in the back but you can't like save these resources from round round so when you earn it you got to spend it right away yeah so that feels a little bit different just because you feel almost naked at first where you're just like yeah. i guess i just made it 15 dollars uh and then you're not tracking it you're just kind of doing it in your head so it is weird like how you spend your money in yeah. beer so hopefully everybody's paying attention because I feel like there could be a little bit of wiggle room for some fuzzy math to happen. Oh, for sure. But yeah. for the so, most part, I think it's pretty easy. Yeah. So that is kind of a limiting factor for uh, getting the whole family involved is like mm-hmm. everybody should have a pretty good hold. We'll need to have a solid hold on basic mathematics. Yeah. And it's definitely... Multiplication it's, or not multiplication, addition and subtraction. <laughs> I have a pretty basic hold on mathematics. Arithmetic. <laughs> It is it is like a family-friendly game, but it's not a novice family-friendly game. I think you could definitely play this. Like, I could play this with my nieces and nephews, um, the older ones specifically. Yeah, I would, yeah. For sure they could play it, but it, yeah. it's not something that I could just teach to anybody. It, it is, um, it's kind of like not a gateway game, but a step beyond that. Yeah, because I think, I think the scoring, the simplicity of the scoring makes a really big difference mm-hmm. and that it does have multiple different game mechanics but they're all pretty basic they're mm-hmm. like in basic elements like the cards that you draft or the cards that you the deck that you're building mm-hmm. all the cards are images yep for the most part they have like numbers on them and then your dice that one's pretty easy just kind of picking up dice mm-hmm. It is pretty, yeah, all the mechanics are, are pretty straightforward. I think if it's somebody's running more. the show, yeah, pretty much anybody can play it. You just say, all right, that everyone draw your cards. Yeah. Everyone grab your dice, place your dice. And only one person activates at a time. So you can kind of, you know, during the really brainless parts, you can just say, okay, everyone do this simultaneously. And then when it's time to do actual actions, you slow it down and you're like, okay, let's see what you're doing. And then you do it. And usually it's perfectly good, but you can kind of nudge them along in case a rule is misunderstood or anything like that. And speaking to that simple core of Taverns of Tiefenthal, mm-hmm. you can play Taverns of Tiefenthal the vanilla way, which is without the any of the modules added in. Yeah, and the modules we've been playing with were the signatures and the schnapps. Right? We played with everything. So we did the entertainers, the reputation track, uh-huh. the guest books, mm-hmm. and the variable starting setups. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize all of those were expand or mm-hmm. like expansions they're expansion modules yeah modules. they kind of call them modules but they're basically like expansions that are included with the box that's the word i was looking for modules okay you can play without any of that stuff and it that becomes would a, really like pair it back it would and i think if i was going to teach it to maybe maybe even to my family or i was going to teach it to like your mom as you were saying mm-hmm. i wouldn't include any that's of the modules. a really good point maybe my mom would be interested in it if all of those modules were paired back, mm-hmm. that's super interesting. Cause yeah, like if you get rid of that reputation track, cause that's just another thing you have to keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. No schnapps, no entertainers, no entertainers. Cause that's an extra, extra thing to think about. No signatures mm-hmm. um, from like the guest book. Yep. That really does pare it down. I'm trying to think if I've ever taught it to you like that. I don't because... know if we've ever played it like that. I feel like we might've played it with a couple of modules, maybe not all of the modules, but maybe the first time we played it with just a couple. We played it a while ago. Yeah. And I think the reason that we haven't played it like that is because I have played it like that and I think it's okay. Yeah. There is a lot of luck in this game where you are um, kind of pulling these cards out one after another. Yep. And then you are rolling the dice and drafting 
and you might just not get what you need. And you can, there's only eight rounds in the game and it's, it's likely in the base game, especially that you could just have a round where you're just like, well, that was worthless. You have like the two, you just have three old men. Yeah. Three old people show up in your bar and you're just like, oh my God. And there's a little bit of mitigation. <laughs> Which is funny because that's like real life. <laughs> yeah. There are nights like that, I'm sure. <laughs> and there's a little bit of mitigation where you get basically three redraws if yep. you want to use that. Um, so I think I would totally play Taverns of Tiefmenthal with new players who were not into games mm-hmm. without any of the modules. But I would never play Taverns of Tiefenthal with my normal group of friends without all without all the modules, actually. Yeah. I think the modules add all of the interest that I that that I think really become interesting about that game. I think if you strip those out, it's a it would be a little bit too basic for me. Yep. Like I would totally play it. There's a lot of games that I have that I would play with a family and I'm like, this is fun. And I know it's a great experience for a family. I'm not personally getting like everything that I would love to get out of it, but I understand like that's but how, you're that's the family. How it works. But I'm the getting family the family. Time yeah, out of I'm it. getting the family and the social time out of it. And so I would totally play taverns like that. But I think the way that I like taverns and the way I personally would recommend taverns on a long-term basis is with all the expansions because that adds just so many more things to mitigate. And when you are having a good turn in Taverns of Tiefenthal, you are just like making it, you know, yeah, you're like moving around the reputation track and that gives you another signature for your book. And then that gives you another little bit of beer that can buy you the next guest. And then you're kind of like really... There's a there's a phenomenon. It is your engine. It is kind of an engine. It's like a one time (laughs) engine though, because it might not fire every time. Oh, for sure. Yep. But there is a phenomenon in Taverns of Tiefenthal where you will play the first two or three rounds and be like, I'm doing nothing in this game. Yeah, even if you've played it multiple times, like well, maybe this is a game where I just won't score that well. Like I won't score that high because it's just like this I am just getting a whole lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. getting three dollars and like four beers yeah but once you get some of those employees in and you upgrade a couple of your mm-hmm. upgrades on your shop you know you you know your turns just get like exponentially better yeah there- by the end i had like oh my gosh there was one turn where i had like six tables out i had three barmaids that got me the dice oh my I had god two dishwashers i had two bar backs i had two beer deliveries it was like was that your final turn it was like my, I think it was my final turn. I think it was. And I, and, and I, I like had redrawn because yeah. I had one person, like one, one of those draws left and I redrew and you it had, was you just, were, you had like a pretty coming. crappy one and you were just like, I'm going to redraw. And then you redrew and I was, and I had a not great final turn. It was fine. It was, <laughs> it was a mediocre night. It was probably like a, a Thursday mediocre. night. And then I had like this tableau in front of me and I look up at Casey and she's like in a command console where her tableau (laughs) had expanded out to be like three feet wide. It was massive. And I was just like, I was just like, we don't even need to play anymore. Uh, like you you did beat me i guess you didn't beat me by that much it really like at the end it wasn't that much i think i beat you by 20 points which is two royals yeah nobles nobles yeah which was because at the end because i was able to um you know get enough beers to buy just some straight up nobles Mm -hmm. and then i had all this cash and I was like, well, what the heck am I going to do with this cash? Because I'm like, I don't want to buy employees because the game is over. And they're worth like a point or two. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I have all this cash and I have tiles that I haven't upgraded yet. So then I just started spending money and spending workers oh, to yeah. make the price cheaper. So yeah. I just started upgrading tiles. 
Yeah. And I gained, I mean, I didn't do a whole lot, but I upgraded two tiles, which is, which is a points. lot. Yeah. You get two um, nobles. Every time you upgrade you a tile, get you get a free noble. A noble. And so that was, and that was exactly how much I beat you by. Yep. It was like those two so it, nobles. it turned out to be pretty close. Yeah. But, it, I, but mean, I did forget to score my schnapps. I might have too. That's then. like four points. I didn't have any schnapps, actually. I believe I spent it to the to the T, to the drop. I had some leftover schnapps. Yeah, and that is a really fun part of that game. And mm-hmm. I love... The end is fun. I love the card flip, the card reveal. <gasps> yes. And so there's moments in Tavern where there's just excitement, where you're like, this is it. Okay. Oh my gosh, I got another table. I can seat another like, guest. Oh, and then yes. you're like, and then... Yes. And there's a lot, and in every game, there's always a couple like, oh my gosh, moments like your final one. And there's a couple total flops where you're, there's a couple total flops where you're just like, oh no, Mm -hmm. this old guy showed up and now I have nothing. And like, you know, hopefully you can, but there was, I think there was a turn where I revealed and I was like, this sucks. And then I spent my, um, guest to redraw and I redrew again (laughs) and it sucked. And then I was like, that is the worst feeling in the world. And then I did it again because I had one more and then I drew okay. But I was like, oh my God, that was almost a disaster. But I Mm -hmm. also basically pulled all, I basically pulled my parachute twice. So after that I was, I was, uh, letting Jesus take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that excitement, so I think that's what Taverns of Tiefenthal does for me. It adds the chunkiness of Mm -hmm. building a deck. And drafting dice and action placement and smart, smart, clever plays where you're just, you know, nickel and diming the tracks to give you just exactly what you need to perfectly get what you need in a round. But it also has those luck based moments where you're just like, oh, God, I'm going to flip this card (laughs) and I know it's going to be that freaking old guy and he's going to be looking at me and I'm going to hate him. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say it still has those moments at the table where everyone's like, oh, (laughs) shit. Yeah. You know, where you have those moments, you're like, oh, you know, everybody does it. Yeah, we played it four players the other day, and there was a moment where everyone was just like (laughs) uproarious, and it was just like seating people at tables. (laughs) But for some reason, it gets really exciting because it's great. It's only eight of them, and like you get a good one, and that feels so good because you're like, that's like one eighth of my game. That's amazing now. Yeah, only eight rounds. Yeah. Oh yeah, only eight rounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I, I've forgotten all about it. Because we played it like probably around this time last year Mm -hmm. because it feels kind of like a nice wintry game. You got (laughs) the tavern, fire in the corner, getting some like kidney and steak pies Mm -hmm. um, and a a pint of bitters. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I kind of forgotten about it. And then your friend came to visit and she really wanted to play this game. It was on her list of games to play. Mm -hmm. And then we've played it. Maybe just once since then. I can't remember. Maybe once a or couple, twice. No, twice. We probably played it a couple of times. Yeah. So we probably played it three times in the past week and a half or yeah, so. Yeah. But I like, I really enjoyed it. And then you texted me. I was out at a happy hour last night as I was coming home and I went to pick up pizza while I was waiting. And you're like, do you want to play Taverns of Tiefenthal when you get home? And I was like, yes, that sounds <laughs> awesome. And, and that we had is a, a pizza game. and beer yeah. and it felt like, uh, felt like we were right in the tavern. Yeah. It was really fantastic. I think that... This is one of those games where it's like, it takes like an hour to play, but it's just so light. I don't mind playing it. I'm usually not like a a gamer after 9 p.m., <laughs> but this was one where I'm just like, oh yeah, this one I can do. I can do this one. That's why I play so many games solo because you're like not a gamer after 9 and I play from like <laughs> 9 o'clock to midnight in yep. my solo table. That's like when I'm uh, kind of winding down and you're winding up. 
Well, that's how I wind down. And I wind down by reading books in bed under my heated blanket. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think that is a great place to end. I think that I pretty think much so. sums it up. It's like a good, warm, comfortable, charming, pleasurable pub yeah. of an evening. Pretty, it's just lovely. I wish we had one of those around here. <laughs> I, I feel like wish. we have that kind of center of the old town. Yeah, it would be perfect in there. I There's feel like, like that this weird like old perfect. German town center near yeah. us. And it just feels like a you're in Europe, like this little medieval village in Europe in the middle of St. Paul. Yeah. It's really weird. And there's like a one of those like recycled, re-upcycle or whatever stores there. It's yeah. like antiques and then upcycled stuff. And that was like the hall mm-hmm. where people would go. And there's like a giant fireplace and the ceiling, you know, you can just see the giant logs mm-hmm. that were made. It would be amazing if someone took that and turned it back into like a oh. more of a town hall. Well, Maybe that'll be my bar. <laughs> it doesn't feel very country western. That's but. okay. I, I can make a German one too. <laughs> <Okay>. <gasps> Ooh, fun. Yeah. Mm. I'll make it the Tavern of Diefenthal. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah. we'll have 20 copies of this game. If everybody can play. Nobody will be playing it. Well, I mean, that goes back to my point. I think Taverns of Tiefenthal, I I love it. I will keep it on my shelf. Mm -hmm. I'll gladly play it anytime. It's not in my top 20 games or anything like that. I also wouldn't recommend it to people who are just like, what's a game I could bring home to my family? So it's like, so if if you're a game lover and you got room in your collection, I would say add it because it's a really good time. Um, So it's kind of a weird spot where I'm just like, I really love it. It's charming, but I also wouldn't recommend it to to every person in every occasion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. I I concur with all of that. If you want to try it, come to St. Paul, and I'll teach it to you. You can play with me and Casey. <laughs> I'd totally be up for that. <laughs> well, I think that about does it with today's episode. I think so, and we're actually going to end it when we say we're going to end it, except end for it right that now. one thing that we just talked about. <laughs> but now we're really going to end it. We're going to end it right now. If you want to find us on Instagram, we are shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Yep. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're shuffle underscore buddies. And on the internet, we're at www.shufflebuddies.com. Yes. And from the website, you can find a link to all these places, including yep. our guild on Board Game Geek. But BGG for those BGG, in the know. And the easiest way to get there, if you want to be cool about it, is go to boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3836. Rolls off the tongue. Ah, oh, can you say that one more time? Boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 3836. Oh, totally. I'll remember that. What, what was it? 3836? Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that. I did remember it. <laughs> yeah, we <you> did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can go there and... Um, if you speak to us, we will respond. <laughs> totally. That's about the best thing I can say. Chris is on it. I'm on it now. All right. Well, yeah. I think that's it. Shall we uh, shuffle away into the snow? Let's shuffle through the snow to the warm glow of the hearth of our nearby... Of our nearby tavern. German tavern. It's now upcycling. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. shuffle. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Okay, hold on. 
because I need to take a picture of Evie. Oh, shoot. Oh, she just got up. She's using her little cheeseburger, her stuffed cheeseburger a as a pillow. I got my camera ready, and it so is a, a succulent. Evie, go, lay back down. Keep this in. Everybody needs to hear how cute Evie is. Maybe I'll post a picture of Evie <laughs> laying better in. than hearing how cute a dog is. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cute. Oh, my God. So cute. 